and gentlemen, welcome to 15-Minute You. I'm Evan Zork, and that's my brother, Matt. We might not be favored to win the game, but we ain't no underdog, though. <laughs> Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everyone. If you have the day off, I hope you're enjoying it. While the weather might be excellent here in Monterey, today is bittersweet for the both of us. On the one hand, we do get to discuss what happened last week in college football, and boy, what happened last week was a doozy. Doozy. But it's also sad because, Matt, there is no college football next week. That's breaking my all heart, she wrote, folks. Absolutely This is our my heart. final episode until we start doing preview pods for next season. Hashtag sad. We'll be here soon enough. Thanks for the intro, Evan. Let's start with our final recap of the national championship. What was your reaction to the game? I mean, first off, great game. I thought the Rose Bowl would end up being the most exciting game in the mm-hmm. season, and that was clearly wrong. The rematch really lived up to the hype. Preach. And even though I picked the Tigers to win, I'll admit, I'm still a little surprised <laughs> they won. I mean, in the middle yep. of that third one, it was 17-7 Bama. I thought Bama was going to win. Bama was um, up what, 10 in the fourth. True. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What really did surprise me was the defensive play by both units. We went into this game taking the under, which was set at uh, 54.5, and we were off by nearly 20 points. Yeah. I thought by late... In the second half, both teams' offense would be worn down by the other team's D, but it really was the opposite, especially Alabama's D. In the fourth, it looked like Watson and Clemson just did whatever they wanted, you know, against them. And as we predicted, kind of in the end, Watson just found a way to win. He was sacked four times. Jalen Hurts never was. Clemson turned the ball over twice. Alabama never did. It really just came down to Watson finding a way to win for his team. I mean, good for them. Hats off. Great job, fellas. I think... You know, chance of a rematch next year is possible. I'd be excited for that. But, man, what did you think of the game? Also, what did you think of the last play? That kind of rub pick? When I, I can't remember who. But I remember listening to one of the Clemson players asking or answering a question from a reporter explaining the difference. And I was like, oh, those things sound exactly like the same thing. <laughs> well, that's because a pick is when someone incorrectly tries to do a rub. Uh, offensive players can typically get away with rubs if done correctly because they look like football moves. But when a rub becomes too blatant, turns into a pick. Offensive players are usually called for holding, or depending on the ball, if it's, depending on if the ball is in the air or not. Offensive pi. So a great call on the final play. Get Deshaun Watson out of the pocket, roll it out, find the open man. But you talk about that last drive. I mean, kudos to Watson. But good lord, yeah. the Clemson receivers—they make every single catch they had to make. I, I, like, I think so. I. I diving, out of bounds. It was like... Right. Insane. That was their day and their time. In the first half, I too was like, Bama's going to roll. They were up 14, and they had the ball back with less than 10 minutes. I was like, if they score again here, this is the jugular. They go up 21 on Clemson the first half. They're in hot water. Clemson ended up mm-hmm. holding them. Watson finally comes live. End of the first half. Scores. Cuts the lead to 7. Then, you know, like we said earlier, Alabama extends that lead to 10, though. Nick Saban is 97-1. and with a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. 97-1. So, I mean, you thought it was locked up. Can't be locked up forever. And, you know, the end of that streak happened to be Monday night. Clemson was just brilliant in the fourth quarter. And uh, Deshaun Watson really solidified himself as a college football legend with that performance. Did you have any other thoughts about this year's bowl season that you haven't shared? Thinking about last week's episode or whatever transpired on Monday night? I mean, thinking about the whole thing, or the season, bowl season as a whole. Sure. Oh, man, the Big Ten. Rough, man. <laughs> um, three of seven, just the 30% winning average. You know, we started out so hot. Uh, I think at one point we had like four or five teams in the top 25. And, and like then we still have four teams of, in the top 25. 
Pardon? We still have four teams in the top 25, and we have three teams in the top 10. Don't backpedal too far. Okay. Okay. Well, it didn't end so well for the Big Ten. How about that? But, yeah, impressed by the ACC with that 8-2 win percentage in the end, 80%. I mean, that's by far the best conference as far as a winning percentage goes, so hats off to them. But I think the, the common thread of this has been the struggle of the Big Ten. Throughout the bowl season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, props to the ACC, 8-2. They had a strong record. You know, fine bombs on, like trying to trash the Big Ten. The SEC was six and seven. Like, Your get boy. the fuck out of here Your with that. Your boy, fine bomb. The only two teams that we're actually disappointed in, I think, is Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State played tough, heartbreaker. Like that, yeah. that game, you know, fifty-two forty-nine. That just comes down to it. Ohio State got absolutely blown out. Michigan like didn't realize the game started until the fourth quarter began. <laughs> So that was disappointing. Minnesota and Northwestern both won bowl games. Wisconsin won a New Year's Six Bowl. Like props to the Badgers. Yeah, yeah. So now that all the games have been played, we could talk about the final pickup season standings if you want, or we could completely move on to to a different topic. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna leave that up to you. <laughs> well, man, I think the folks at home really want to know. Do they? By folks at home, I mean like our Do three they? relatives that listen to this podcast. <laughs> but I'm sure they're interested in how it turned out. And folks. <laughs> Surprisingly, Matt could not dig himself out of the hole with the championship uh, game because it's only worth one game. And, oh, yeah, he picked that game incorrectly. Final pick scores for everyone keeping score at home. Evan, 65 and 45, 59% winning streak. Matthew, 58 and 52 for 52% uh, correct average. Now, streak. I may be up by, you know, eight games. Who's counting? I'm not really. But, man, I think next season we got to shoot Well, I'm for... counting, and you're up by seven because you can't do math. But go ahead. Eh, well, you know, that's why I study international relations. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think next year we need to shoot for 60% or higher, both of us, or we just shut down the pot. Yeah. I mean, any any given day. I, I don't know. I agree. Could we pick games better? Absolutely. I made some obscene picks in November. <laughs> As well as, like, you can just stop picking road teams in October, and I think, like, we'll be there. We do yeah. Things. What I do want to do for next year's pod, though, a uh, winner gets to pick out a fathead for the loser. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, in, in. So okay. now that all the games... Next season. Okay, okay, okay. Fathead, agree. Now that all the games have been played, though, Evan, take us through the final roll call. Top 25. When Evan calls your name, please say here. Alrighty, folks, get ready for this one. I'm doing all 25. At number one, no surprise, Clemson. Number two, Alabama. Number three, USC. I was surprised by this more on this later. Number four, Washington. Number five, Oklahoma. Number six, Ohio State. Number seven, Penn State. Number eight, Florida State. Number nine, Wisconsin. Number 10, Michigan. Number 11, Oklahoma State. Number 12, Stanford. Number 13, LSU. Number 14, Florida. Number 15, Western Michigan. Number 16, Virginia Tech. Number 17, Colorado. Number 18, West Virginia. Number 19, South Florida. Number 20, Miami. Number 21, Louisville. Number 22, Tennessee. Number 23, Utah. Number 24, Auburn. And rounding out the 25 spot at San Diego State. So, any last thoughts on the final top 25? I do think there's a bit of a Power 5 bias, but to be honest, I mean, I feel like that's always expected at this point. Like, the last poll of the season and the first poll of the season always kind of have that. Yeah. Overall, I'm fine with it. Clemson with the unanimous number one. Couldn't agree more than with that more. They certainly deserve it. I was a little surprised USC was ahead of both OSU and Washington, considering SC didn't make the playoff didn't play in their conference 
uh, championship game. Yeah. And did not have a decisive win over Penn State. Don't get right. me wrong. The Rose right. Bowl. Right. The Rose Bowl game was awesome to watch. Second only to the championship game as far as excitement. But if the Trojans are so good that you think they should have actually been in the playoff, which I think Great. the number three ranking implies, and Penn State only lost to them by a field goal as yeah. time expired, how are those two teams four spots apart? Well, I would think that Penn State would at least be ahead of Ohio State if that were the case. But right. whatever next season isn't for another eight months, these rankings mean nothing. Well, unless you're Clemson. No, unless you're Clemson. I mean, you're number one. That matters. But Oklahoma in the five spot, though, sorry, they beat a weak Auburn team in the Sugar Bowl. Penn State, if USC is as good as as the polls are saying they are, and they might be for January, right? Mm -hmm. Only lost by three. Auburn is garbage. Even the polls put them at number 24. So, like, how do you jump up so many spots? And you know I'm absolutely heartbroken that Free Shoes ends up two spots ahead of the Wolverines, but... Oh, I mean, you and me both, but how oh, win that game if you don't want to end up behind him? So, our last top 25 party of the season. Anyone going out for a beer run? I would not send this team on a beer run per se, but I'll make another party analogy. 8-4 LSU <laughs> at number 13. Ahead of six teams with 10 or more wins. Come on, folks. That is a joke. I'm cool <laughs> with LSU being at the party, but they're like that guy who had too many adult beverages, and now he's yelling, and he's accidentally knocking stuff over. Like, be cool, man. I will ask you to leave if you keep acting <laughs> So, FCS champion, James Madison. Could they beat anybody in the final FBS poll? Oh, man. I, you know, I never want to never say never. Like, Michigan lost to App State. It in theory could happen. Looking at all the teams, I don't know. It'd be it'd be tough. Even the ones, you know, even 20 through 25, I'm not so sure about. If I had yeah. to, I mean, I think the obvious contender is 25 San Diego State. But even then, I'm not quite convinced that it would happen. Yeah, I blacked out most of 2007 in my mind. I have no idea what you mean by App State. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and just lean back for a moment. Let's reflect on the 2016 college football season. Let's do it. Kick the feet up. Yeah. What do you think was this year's biggest surprise? Uh, I mean, I got a, I got a couple couple ideas. Okay. Um, P.J. Fleck and the Broncos have to be up there. Preach. Undefeated regular season Preach. and a very competitive game against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. I did not see that coming. Number two, I don't know if I should be surprised by this because of what went down last season. But I'm surprised that Les Miles got shown the door midway through the season. And I'm also surprised he you still are? hasn't found a job yet. I thought he'd have one before the end of the bowl season for sure. Maybe number three, success in Happy Valley and Boulder, both Penn State and Colorado, yeah. fielding pretty good teams. Penn State fielding Agree. a great team. Agree. And then, man, let me give you one that I think's flying under a lot of people's radars. Okay. All right. What do you got? After Some hot stuff, takes. After stumbling in the first three – Weeks of the season, Matt, I think Big Game Bob is back. Oh, my God. Bob Stoops and the Oklahoma Sooners had quite the finish, and I don't think people are saying that nickname sarcastically anymore. They won their last 10 games, including huge wins at Morgantown against the West Virginia Mountaineers and against Oklahoma State, and they won their bowl game against Auburn. (laughs) I might get to a Bob Stoops fan (laughs) for your room, man. Big Game Bob's back. Stoops is in Ohio, dude. I put it up if I if I had a fat head of Stoops. I already said the Sugar Bowl was soft, though. I do respect the win against West Virginia in Morgantown. That was impressive, especially in the dominating fashion that they took it down. But I wouldn't put too much merit on that. Big game Bob's been where he's been. 
I wasn't that surprised unless Miles that like the boosters already cheated on him last year when they tried to interview anybody and they were like, oh, nobody else wants to work here, so I guess you can stay. With surprises for the year, I would also add to your list. Uh, I'm sad for Mark Helfrich. In no way at the beginning of the season could I yep. imagine him not being the Oregon coach in 2017. I did. I've been a Chris Peterson fan for a long time. Him and Washington, I think, oh, arrived yeah. early. They're here and they're here to stay. Bama yep. lost the title game. Shocking. In my opinion, from start to finish, the SEC was horrible. They were horrible in September and in October and in November and in January. Holy yikes. Like, going from the top of the mountaintop to fucking Hades. They have, you say they're horrible in January, yet they have double the amount of bowl wins that the Big Ten does. They were 6-7. and seven. They played like five six middle wins. schools, dude. Big, Big Ten's got three. Big Ten went three and seven. Yeah, you had one team in the playoff, and you had two teams in New Year's Six Bowls. What's the SEC doing? You one team in the playoff. Just saying. Oh, and then they had Auburn, which lost to your homies, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> But number one surprise of the year, Western Michigan, P.J. Fleck. Good God, I love you so much. Right? Throw that, though. Sad most... to see it end. Sad to see it end. God, that made, that was part of what made college football great this year. What's your favorite moment from 2016? Um, This is also a tough one. I mean, there were a ton of phenomenal games, phenomenal moments. The championship game, the Rose Bowl, Clemson, Louisville, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. OSU Michigan, even though we lost, I mean, like yeah. like we had our family together. We were yeah. all watching. I made ribs. That was a really Double fun overtime. game. Double overtime. Double overtime. Yeah. Even like the first big game of the season, Texas Notre Dame was an awesome game that went into overtime. Yeah, so we realized uh, both teams were shit. But for me, I think I got to say are the Army Navy game. That streak must have just been soul yeah. crushing on those guys. Yeah. I can't even really imagine being part of it. So I was happy that they were finally able to pull one out. Good for them. Agree. That was a good um, moment. I would say my second one, though, is if you want to bring a smile to your face and you haven't watched the video of the Syracuse locker room following <laughs> against Virginia Tech, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's great. Those guys just seem to be on cloud nine. Matt, what about your favorite moment? So I rooted for Alabama in the championship, and deep down I think I'm more of a Nick Saban, Slytherin follower. But yeah. in the aftermath, God, I loved watching Dabo and Deshaun Watson just celebrate winning the championship. It's it's. So tough to be a champion. And they were on the brink last year, came up just short, which is heartbreaking. Then they got to go through the whole season again. They had that up and down September, get in the playoff, rank seconds. Like, can they beat Ohio State? Can they not? A lot of people, including us, picked Ohio State. They demolished Ohio State. And then it came in as like, now can you beat Bama? I mean, that, that emotional roller coaster, see them like complete it and win, just like a lot of props to the Tigers. Yeah. If Saban is in Slytherin, yeah. is Debo in Gryffindor? <laughs> I don't know. With his energy, he's either Gryffindor or he's Hufflepuff. He's not Ravenclaw, though. No. Fair. Right? Come on now. Tonight was BYOJ. Bring your own guts. And we brought plenty of it. <laughs> Come on. That dude's not a Ravenclaw. True. I don't know if he's a Hufflepuff, though. But let's not get derailed <laughs> with Harry Potter. So what do we learn about college football this year, Adam? I think the biggest thing for me is we are moving from a unipolar college football world dominated by Alabama to a bipolar one. I don't know if this is going to last decades like the Cold War, but I think the next five years, Clemson and Alabama will play each other in the playoffs at least twice. Maybe not in the title game, but I think they're going to play in the in the playoffs twice. And I think there's a good chance that they both get another title in the next five years. Now, there might be some really good teams that come and go over the course of this, and maybe even some of these teams get titles, OSU, Michigan, Washington, USC, just to name a few. 
But make no mistakes, folks. We are entering the Alabama and Clemson era. And then my second thing thing is I think we're not going to see an expansion of the college football playoff anytime soon. Two years in a row now, the semifinals have been absolute snooze fests. And three years ago, only one game, the OSU-Bama game, was particularly exciting. Why would you make the playoffs bigger if they're just going to get more mediocre games? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to start getting drunk Uh, on New Year's Eve. They keep putting these matchups on. Yeah. Even if you add two more teams to this season's playoffs, say USC and Oklahoma, and in this scenario, Oklahoma? How is that the team that we would add? I'm just going based on the top 25. God, you have uh, so way this, too much In this scenario, Bama and Clemson would just get first-round buys. I don't think the outcome is any different. Even if Oklahoma and USC beat OSU and Washington, which I don't think is a given, I think they get crushed in the second round and we end up with Clemson and Bama. Um, and then also the more teams you put in the playoff, you worsen the quality of the other bowl games. So I think at earliest we're seeing expansion in 2025. Even then, I'm not really convinced of it. Said this last week, Rivals.com, the 10 10- – Top 10 recruits that are unclaimed so far. They got two of them going to Bama, two of them going to USC, dude. You're sleeping on USC. I don't know that we're entering this, like, Bama-Clemson arms race. I, the only thing that I watch for in that supports your argument is that how good is Florida State? Because they would challenge Clemson to come out of the ACC. Yeah. If you go with my theory earlier that the SEC is garbage, which it is, except for Bama— they will continue to eat them up because there's nobody to challenge them there. In the Big Ten, and in the Big Ten East, you have Ohio State and Michigan fighting each other. So only one of those teams is likely to survive in yeah. the four-team playoff, right? And, like, is you Penn know, State good? you're proving my point right now, right? Yeah, but don't sleep on USC. Don't <laughs> sleep on Michigan is more to my point. But things we learned, two things. College football playoff committee weighs a lot of metrics, records, strength and schedule, conference championships, but none more significantly than the other. So stop trying to make a formula out of it. There's no way to say, like, I dominated one of those metrics and I'm into the playoff. you got to have a comprehensive resume to get in. Secondly, the CFP got their rankings right in the Final Four. Teams 5 and 6, Penn State and Michigan, both lost their bowl games, so I don't think either stood a chance against Bama. And Clemson absolutely should have been ranked against Ohio State. They destroyed them on New Year's Eve. So, speaking of 2017, there are some great games to be looking forward to to kick off next year. Yes, there are. So, before we get too depressed, here's what we got coming up. You ready for this? Lame on me. August 31st, 2017, Ohio State, Indiana are going to ignite the college football season in Bloomington Thursday night. Premier matchups to follow that weekend. Florida State and Alabama are going to go head-to-head in the Georgia Dome. And Michigan and Florida are going to meet up in Jerry's World in Dallas. We might be there. We might be there. We might be there. Ed Orgeron is going to lead the Tigers in his first season opener at LSU in Houston against BYU. Texas A&M and UCLA will each look to start 2017 with some momentum both teams lacked throughout the 2016 season as they face off in Pasadena. And then finally, Virginia Tech and West Virginia are going to tee off at FedEx Field, home of the Washington team, as both teams look to build off momentum that they actually built this season. Man, you left off again, I believe. Okay. You can't think of a single game that we might be interested in next season. Not not mayhaps the Western Michigan Broncos traveling <laughs> to take on the Trojans of USC. I forgot. I forgot. I'm just so sad for those guys that Fleck is out and they got the Purdue quarterbacks coach stepping in. God help you know. Him. Well, let's let next year we'll start hyping the Broncos and we'll see what happens in the Coliseum. But I, I'm worried for our Broncos. Yeah, me so, too. 
As we move into 2017, one issue we got to discuss before we tap out is the issue of sexual assault on college campuses and how college athletics has responded to it. Framing it this way, because although sexual assault and domestic violence are national issues, there are more discussion and solutions, but this show is focused on college football. So, one of the biggest headlines from the last week came out of Minneapolis. Remember, player, Minnesota players nearly boycotted the bowl game in protest. Teammates accused of sexual assault. This week, University of Minnesota President Eric Kaler said, I think we need to do both more and different training because our student-athletes get an exceptional amount, exceptional amount, of training around sexual assault and harassment issues, and yet we don't seem to make the point. At Minnesota, all university students go through sexual assault awareness education after enrolling. That includes an online assessment, interactive presentations. Schools roughly 750 athletes are exposed to an additional training and education conducted internally and through visiting presenters every year. All programs include a bystander's education and an intervention program developed by Assistant Athletic Director Peyton Owen. So, and what are your thoughts on moving forward? Is there any way in which we can address this that you can see now differently than how we're doing it? Because it had big impacts throughout the season, and it's we're not done yet talking about it. Oh, for sure, we're not done yet. I, that's an interesting point that Eric Kaler brought up. I don't know if I... I'm sure other other people have said it. I don't know if I've ever heard it articulated just like that, that we need more and different training because clearly we're not meeting our goals. Right. Um, interesting to come from a university president. I, I think hopefully a positive sign for the University of Minnesota specifically. I think, you know, it's, it's more than just sexual assault. Because, I mean, like, we're also kind of looping this into domestic violence, the Joe Mixon situation. Right. Um, if you look at like what happened at Baylor and Art Bryles, I think you, you use the phrase he can't even get a high school job right now. I know because of what went down at Baylor. So that like makes would seem like oh we're 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 making strides, we're improving on this issue. But then you have Joe Mixon, who's probably and I I don't want to like condemn the guy to death, but he's probably going to get drafted in the NFL yeah. and go on to be very successful. But we have Joe Rice or excuse me Ray Rice. Ray doesn't have a job they did almost identically the same thing so what i'm seeing i feel like is just ununiform enforcement and punishment and like pass forwards and ideas i think yeah ncaa or maybe colleges in general not just college athletic programs need to come up with like a more universal more accepted you know in instances of domestic violence and sexual assault we're going to do this this and this you know I think not just student-athletes need training. I don't know about you, but I, I don't recall getting any sexual assault or domestic violence training when right. I was in college. No, I don't remember that either. So, I, I mean, I think this is more than just student-athletes. This needs to be general student body as a whole getting this I, training and having these conversations. Yeah. College football, though, one thing that it, to me is disappointing about the game and about the, the culture of this sport is that like it, it really lacks a lot of diversity. And there's still a very, like, old boys club culture that exists in college football. Yeah. And you saw this with the Joe Mixon. They're like, well, Bob Stoops sat down with Oklahoma AD and the Oklahoma president. They decided that they were going to suspend Mixon for a year. Yeah, you put three white dudes in a room, and they all came up with the solution that, like, okay, this kid sits out for football for one year, and then he plays the next year. And, like, I can't sit here and be like, oh, I have a better, like, better or more appropriate consequence because I don't. But... There's got to there are there's room for a lot more perspectives in that room, but we continue to keep the the door closed to other perspectives, especially at yeah. college football, right? Yeah, agreed. 
So we'll stay tuned. We'll think more about that. Hope you know. Hopefully, we don't have to talk about it too more, too much more next year, unless we come up with some great solutions, right? So we'll see if that happens. Yeah. But all right, folks, that's it for this year. Thank you for a tremendous college football season. So much fun. We have big plans for the 2017 season. We're going to give our listeners a much larger voice. Let us know what you want to hear by emailing us at 15minuteu at gmail.com or friend us on Facebook and leave us a message at 15minuteu. Thank you. We'll get back to you all on signing day. And we're already looking forward to next season's 15minuteu. I'm Matt Wazork. That's my brother, Evan Wazork. Thank you, folks. Until next time, don't pick him like my brother. And don't pick him like my brother. That's it. Oh, what a way to end the season. That's it. Here you go. Yeah. So, yeah, dude. Email, Facebook.